Ann Ramen. Who's hungry? Welcome to Fan Ramen, the official podcast of Black Ramen. We're a band who writes epic music for film and games. And we're here to read your fan fiction. I'm Lindy. Konnichiwa! I'm Ralph. Wasabi! Behind the board is our awesome sound guy. And man of all men, the, the sound, sound samurai, Kevin. Hey guys, so the whole idea of starting a podcast where we read fan fiction was this crazy idea we dreamt up while we were in our music studio. <laughs> as soon as we came up with the idea, Ralph kept going off all day in his Russian accent. Why, yes, we have ways of making you talk. Is there a way to make him shut up? Yet. Oh, God. <laughs> this podcast is a ridiculous idea that a bunch of rogue musicians thought up. We have no sponsors, we have no funding, which means we can keep this podcast ad-free. You may donate to our Patreon if you feel so inclined. And if you don't feel so inclined, we have ways of making you donate. Ralph, please don't threaten the listeners. Our next story is about murder and takes places in dangerous cities called Zootopia. You'll hear a lot of original characters in this chapter, but later in the story, you'll meet some characters that you know. Rocket Raccoon appears later. It's a crossover. Check out Animals by Matt Chewy on archiveofourown.org to get the rest of the story. Hey, Victor, get the heck over here. Victor chuckled. Des Moines needed help again, like always. The old otter always called him over for the most trivial problems that were easy to fix. The bobcat had a way better reach for certain cars that the otter had no chance of fixing with his species difference. Coming! Victor sped through the empty garage before finally making it over to Des Moines' car. The otter was underneath, tools piled all around him. The bobcat folded his arms. What do you need now, Gramps? The otter rolled out from under the truck, dusting himself off before standing up. Well, it's not the car if that's what you're wondering. Victor sighed. Then why did you call me over here then? The otter reached inside his pocket, pulling out an envelope with a messy paw-written name on it. Some fella dropped this by. Think he knew you. Victor snatched it out of Demoise's hand before putting it in his pocket to read later. Victor had very few friends in Chicago, and he had no idea who could have sent this letter. He kept his expression neutral as he looked at Des Moines. Who brought it? The otter shrugged. Had a hoodie on. I thought it was a pred, but the odd thing was, they had no tail. Victor shrugged. I'll keep that in mind. He had started to go back to the front of the garage before he felt the otter tap his shoulder. Hey, hey, before you go... Thank you for all your hard work. You've helped me keep this place in business, even at this old age. Now, I've got my daughter's birthday to plan for, so I'll let you go early. I'll close up the shop after you go. Victor was surprised. Des Moines rarely let his workers off early. Victor smiled. Hey, thanks, boss. He grabbed his stuff that was near the front of the garage, then exited out into the city. <laughs> Chicago was a bright, bustling city at night, full of all sorts of mammals. But crime stained its streets during this time. 
While there was more of a push for more cop patrols at night, not many people roamed around at night unless they had a close destination or were looking for trouble. Victor knew his way around the streets, even though he only had been here a few years. He mainly went down the safest routes back to his place, well lit and with groups of people. But tonight, he took a shorter route back to his apartment, one that cut through several blocks that some considered dangerous. He knew he was fine here. Not many mammals wanted to get in a fight with a bobcat. As he walked, he put his hand in his pocket, feeling the envelope. He snatched it out of his pocket and opened it with a claw. It was folded, and he opened it with anticipation. It was after reading it that he wished he had ignored it, or thrown it in the trash before he opened it, or had done something else. He read it over again, just to make sure that it was real. And by the time he finished, he realized he shouldn't have done that. He panicked, running through alley after alley as if something was hunting him. Finally, he ran into an alley that had no cameras near it and didn't come out the other side. 50 minutes after that, Victor Sorrendo was found dead near his apartment complex. No trace of a letter, nothing, not even the envelope. But the part that confused this CPD was the state of the body. A perfect cut across the body wasn't what killed him. The blood loss wasn't the thing that killed him. It was a heart attack that killed him. And the killer knew that. It was the only organ left in the bobcat's body when they found him. All the rest, gone. No suspects, no motive, no idea of how this case would be solved. Sometimes, the wolf didn't want to wake up in the morning. Mm. Not in a, I hate my life way, but more like in a, I'm tired and want to do nothing kind of way. Mm. But his job required it. Mm. Actually, former job. The phone buzzed again. Some pop ringtone that he had set randomly when he was first adding context to it. He hated it at first, but now he only kept it to remind himself that it was just a part of his life. He trudged over to pick it up and flicked it open. Fen here. A female voice spoke loudly into his ear. Major needs you for this new case. Got a murder that we need you. No. He was ready to push the off button before he sighed and put it back up to his ear. It appeared the operator hadn't noticed his response, still going on about the murder. And he has no organs left, just a heart. Major says you worked with cases like this, right? Then Rear sighed. And it was cases like that that led me to my retirement. What makes this different from some other organ snatcher? The wolf heard the sound of papers shuffling before it stopped. The operator spoke again. Wouldn't those snatchers take the heart, too? Well, it's rare, actually. Not many mammals have the same organ structure as others. 
Most organs are either wasted or sold for pitiful amounts to mammals who think they can be Frankenstein. Anyway, is there, is there anything else? He heard more papers being shuffled before he heard the operator speak up again. He wants you to look over everything at the scene before we have to move the body. The wolf grumbled, placing the phone on his desk before getting dressed. He grabbed an old pair of jeans and a gray shirt. I'm still going to need payment for this. I'm technically done with working on cases. I don't have a job. Technically, he was right. But Fenrir was a freelancer now, and no one, not even the major, knew exactly the circumstances of the job. Fenrir could feel the annoyance of the operator as he put the phone back to his ear. I'll tell you all the details once you arrive. I've seen the pictures from the scene. Haven't seen this much blood splattered since they showed us that training video on edged weapons. The operator continued. Anyways, I have to get back to paperwork on this. The location is at 655 North Cicero Avenue. Good luck. The phone cut off, making him realize he had not said anything about his choice of doing the job. Damn. He stifled a laugh as he remembered having to watch that same video back in his training days. The video in question, Surviving Edged Weapons, was shown to every cop in the district when they first entered the force. It was pretty realistic, even though it was originally done in Wisconsin. Even though it was educational, he had once seen it posted online with commentators wanting to see more. He stuffed his phone in his pocket while also grabbing his keys. Fenrir quickly put on his jacket, black with a Kevlar frame interlaced on the inside. He left his pistol, a Colt 1911 with a dark green grip, in his drawer under lock and key. While many cities in the United States had strict gun laws, cities like Chicago was one of the few with little legislation on gun laws. Zootopia was the only city in the U.S. that had outlawed guns outright. This hadn't stopped smuggling, though. Most of the smuggling was started in Chicago, with dealers going to other cities around the country, with most activities centering in Zootopia. He stood at the door, feeling conflicted as thoughts went through his mind. Why didn't he just say no? Why didn't he just hang up? Why not just say he was busy or on a date or some boring BS? He shrugged. Maybe he just liked the hunt. The feeling of finding some sort of resolution, that's what drove him. He opened the door and walked out into a new day. Time for dessert. We're gonna drizzle some Drabble on ya. In case you don't know, Drabble is mochi-sized stories. What you see? Today's Drabble is from archiveofourown.org. Check out the author Too Many Ideas with their Beyond the Boundary fic called Blood Binds Together. Kuriyama clan has sworn fealty to the Nase clan in exchange for survival. 
Nell, Mitsuki Nase, and Mirai Kuriyama, as members of the two families and essentially their princesses, often find themselves meeting. These are very short accounts of what happens during those frequent meetings and the relationships of daughters of a modern shogun and daimyo. How long have you been caring for bonsai trees, Kuriyama-san? Mirai carefully set down the tree she had brought into the Nase mansion on the nice sand. A few months. It makes me happy. Mitsuki nodded, looking at the tree and taking stock of it. Why is that? Mirai stopped, thinking about that. Hmm, it makes me feel at peace. Another nod from Mitsuki. Hmm, tranquil. Yes! Mirai sat down in a chair, absently watching the tree herself now. And that makes me feel better about being here for a while. Here at the mansion, you mean. Mirai nodded. Yes, I'd rather be home if I'm being honest. Mitsuki sighed. <sighs> I wish our family's politics didn't get in the way of your happiness so much. Mirai shrugged. It's okay. I might not like the house very much, but I like you. So it cancels out. tuning in if you like what we do check out our patreon we have outtakes extras and bloopers <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is lindy this is ralph and, and we'll, we'll see, see you the next, next time you're hungry this podcast produced by lindy day and ralph avalon Sound design and engineering by Kevin Villagestone. Music by Black Ramen. Recorded and mixed in the Black Ramen Studios. <laughs>